Psalm 91 is quite often known as the fearless chapter, but um, when you read some of the words contained within the psalm, you might be excused for feeling rather fearful rather than fearless. I mean, take verses 5 and 6, for example. Terrors of night, arrows that fly by day, pestilence that stalks in the darkness, plague that destroys at noonday. I mean, if that doesn't bring you out in jitters, I don't know what does. But really, the whole of Psalm 91 is about living fearlessly. There's a culture of fear in this country, cultivated largely by our media, films, TV, the internet, many forms of social media, newspapers. Um, fear, to some extent, is quite contagious, isn't it? And I guess if we're absolutely honest, we'll all admit to times when we've all had anxieties, worries, apprehensions, misgivings, qualms, Frights, scares, intimidations, alarms, faint-heartedness, whatever you want to call it. And that does affect us from time to time. Therefore, Psalm 91 is for all of us to one degree or another. There's no one, I guess, who doesn't know what it's like to be afraid. We've all experienced fear, perhaps in childhood, perhaps in adulthood, perhaps in both and the media, and especially television and radio, bombards us with fearful news. The newspapers are filled with horror stories on a daily basis. There are threats of war, global warming, uncertainty in the stock markets, doom and gloom appears to be all around us. And in such an atmosphere of fear, that can lead many of us to feel despair, discouragement and despondency. But when we read Psalm 91 and understand it better, you'll see that actually it's an oasis in this desert world that we live in. Now, there are many things that we as humans are afraid of. Here's a little list. This is probably my fear, cyberphobia. We had a few problems with our computer, and it's a fear of computers. <laughs> But we managed to overcome it. And of course, as technicians, we like to blame it's the, all the computer, nothing to do with ourselves. So if you suffer from cyberphobia, I can understand that. Perhaps you suffer from lunophobia. You must know what that is. Fear of the moon. Don't know why. You might suffer from this one, astrophobia. Fear of lightning. Can be a bit scary at times, can't it? hide in the cupboard or something when that's going on. It's probably the more the thunder that sort of affects us, the, the lightning. What about this one? Triscodecophobia. Number, what? 13, yes. Number 13. <laughs> and if you suffer from this one, I'm not sure there's any hope for you. <laughs> fear of fear itself. <laughs> And if you suffer from this one, then I'm not sure what you're doing here. <laughs> if I see you start running out of church, I know you've suddenly got that. And if you suffer from this one, then there's definitely no hope for me standing up here. Homilophobia. 
fear of homilies or sermons. <laughs> There's no end to the number of fears that uh, exist. I'm going to tell you a true story about uh, a person in fear. There was a woman in Arkansas who was sitting in her car, and the car was in a parking lot in a very dangerous neighborhood. And she was waiting for her husband, who was in a nearby store. She was extremely scared. She got more and more anxious as the time that she sat there because the whole area was a very high crime area. And the longer she sat there, the more fearful she became. Suddenly, there was a loud bang and something hit her in the back of the head. She screamed. She held the back of her head with her hands behind her head. And then a passerby noticed her screaming and tapped on the window and shouted, Are you okay? Are you okay? And the woman managed to get the window down and said, I've been shot in the back of the head and I'm holding my brains in. But it wasn't her brains. It was dough. You see, what had happened on the back seat of the car was a Pillsbury biscuit canister which had exploded from the heat, making a loud explosion, shooting the dough into the back of her head. She, of course, in her fear, thinking about getting shot at any moment, thought she'd been shot in the back of the head and thought that was her brains falling out. And I guess most of our fears are like those of that lady, aren't they? They're unfounded and they're irrational. The dictionary defines fear as an unpleasant emotion caused by the anticipation or awareness of danger. Fear is a learned response to what we perceive to be a threat to our well-being, which could result in hurt or harm. And in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 26, he talks there about persons who are so fearful that their hearts are failing. But God has promised deliverance from fear to those who put their trust, total trust in him. So when we look closer at Psalm 91, you'll see that it contains a message of hope and comfort. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him I will trust. So how do we overcome fear? Well, I guess living fearlessly requires us to have a life not controlled by fear. It requires us to take action. First of all, we need to face up to our fears. And then we need to fight our fears. And finally, we need to be fortified against <coughs> our fear. So let's start with the first one. How can we face our fears? Well, there's basically two kinds of fear, aren't there? There's good fear and bad fear. Concerning good fear, if you can call it that, we learn pretty early on in life that things like fire are hot. Sharp instruments will cut. A door slammed on a finger hurts. I've got a wonky thumb because my brother very kindly slammed a door on my hand at one point when we were young. So my thumb had to have a lot of stitching around it. But um, I know what it's like to have a door slammed on your finger. 
And we learn that good fear, in a way, protects us because we know not to put our hands in a fire, not to you know, run your hands along a sharp knife blade. But then there's bad fear. And when I talk about bad fear, I mean all forms of worry, dread, anxiety and terror as, as a result of not being and not trusting in a benevolent Heavenly Father. Bad fear is injurious to our souls. It's injurious to our spirits, to our bodies, and to our testimony. And half the battle in fighting an enemy is knowing who or what the enemy is. What are the obvious fears in Psalm 91? Well, they talk about things like deadly pestilence, arrows by day, plagues and lions. And whilst you might understand that more as figurative language, I expect when Psalm 91 was written, those types of dangers were real things that people really experienced in the Middle East. They would have had attacks from opposing armies firing arrows at them. They would have suffered from all kinds of plagues. So those things would have been very much real. They're perhaps alien to us these days, although we've experienced recent issues, haven't we, when COVID outbreak came, a form of a plague that affected us all. But it gives us a picture of things that are visually observable. We can hear their roar. We can see their form. We can sense their danger. However, in reality, fear of these things or similar dangers comprises the smallest percentage of our fears. Now, analysts have worked out that only 60% of the things we fear never actually happen. 60%. So it's a vast number of the things that we worry about never actually transpire. 12% of their fears are about our health. They've worked out that about 10% of our fears are about our past. Another 10% are about petty miscellaneous superstitions. And it's something like between 3 and 8% are real, legitimate threats. In other words, the readily seen fears only amount to about 8% of all our fears. In the message verse, version of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 34, it says this, Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Now, some of you may know that in a different version. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And the verse reminds us to live one day at a time, not to live yesterday over again today, not to try and live tomorrow today, but simply to focus upon today. Next thing we've got to do is to fight our fears, and God instructs us to fight them. And more than 80 times in the Bible, God says, Do not fear, do not be afraid, be not fearful. Fear not. And those aren't just requests from God, those are commands from God. 
is commanding us not to be fearful. Remember that statistic I quoted? 60% of our fears never happen. A tremendous amount of our fears are built up in our imaginations. And many times we imagine situations that never actually transpire. The Elizabethan writer and poet Sir Philip Sidney said, Fear brings more pain than does the pain it fears. President Franklin D. Roosevelt said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. So in order to live fearlessly, we must face and fight our fears. In the second book of Timothy, chapter 1, verse 7, it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and self-control. Sometimes you see um, people wearing T-shirts, don't you, with slogans written on them. This is uh, one popular T-shirt worn by young people. No fear it has written on it. But I reckon most of the people wearing that probably are living scared. And that T-shirt represents forced courage or a denial or perhaps both of those things. Courage is not the absence of fear, it's the mastery of fear. But you can't master our your fears until we face them, analyze them, and know what they are. There's a human side and a divine side to overcoming fears. God will help us, but first we must be willing to help ourselves. We must go on the offensive against our own fears by appropriating God's promise to us. Let's go back to Psalm 91. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue you, I will protect you, for you acknowledge my name. You will call upon me and I will answer you. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver and honour you. Therefore, consider God's presence. And note the six I wills in that, uh, those um, verses. God says, I will rescue I will protect, I will answer, I will be with you, I will deliver, I will honour you. So why then would we say I will fear? Because fear is the opposite of love. God will deliver us from fear because God is love. God is not about fear. The first book of John, chapter 4, verses 16 and 18, remind us that God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. And verse 18 goes on to say, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Fear cannot exist in the atmosphere of divine love. Fear imprisons, but love liberates. Fear paralyzes, but love empowers. Fear disheartens, but love encourages. Fear sickens, but love heals.
to our psalm. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. And when we're trusting in Him completely, then we are sheltered by the Most High. We are in the shadow of the Almighty. We are in the safety of God. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I don't know if you know, but there's a tribe in the Amazon jungle who have a unique practice for training young men to be fearless. And what happens is that uh, around about a time that a male child reaches the age of 12, the father takes the child, blindfolds the son, and takes him deep into the jungle very dense jungle, and there he's required to spend the night alone with the wild animals. And once the desired destination is reached, the father then leaves, and the son then is free to remove the blindfold. A certain young man's time came to be initiated into manhood. He was taken into the jungle by his father, left for the night. And you can imagine this. Every time a twig snapped, he would visualize a wild animal just about to pounce. Every time an animal howled, he imagined being attacked from out of the darkness. The 12-year-old child had to endure a terrifying night. And after what seemed like an eternity, the first rays of sunlight entered the interior of the forest. And looking around... The boy could only see dense vegetation and he peered a bit closer and then to his utter astonishment in the distance he could see dimly the figure of a man standing not far away armed with a bow and arrow it was his father he'd been there all night watching over him the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, reminds us that we have our Saviour's assurance that he will never leave us nor forsake us. When we place our trust in God alone, we are fortified against fear. I can sense some of you might be thinking, well, that's all very well for you, Martin, but you know, hurtful things happen to the best of us. Yes, bad things do happen to good people. Pain I guess it's part of our human condition. But fear is what we do to ourselves. Jesus suffered pain, and that was because of us, because of our sin. Jesus, being the very essence of God, lived a faultless life, but when our sin was heaped on his shoulders, he suffered terrible pain on our behalf. God does not make provision for painless living, but for fearless living. Many of us know and love the 23rd Psalm. It contains these phrases. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I guess some of you will remember the story in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, about Jesus sleeping in the boat. Um, 
whilst the disciples were sailing on Lake Galilee. Suddenly a storm hits the boat and the scared disciples hurriedly wake Jesus and say to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus gets up from his slumbers, rebukes the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Sometimes he calms the storm. Sometimes he calms us in the storm. We can need to submit our fears to God. Remember the fear knots in Psalm 91. We do not need to live in fear. God is not the author of fear. So we can live a fear-free life of faith or a fearful, faithless life. Which one would you choose? The book of Romans, chapter 8, says in verse 15, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Commit yourselves to God's care. God is your fortress. Are you consciously living in the shelter, under the shadow, and in the safety of him who is our fortress? What is your greatest fear or dilemma, anxiety or concern today? Is it the future? Is it your family? Is it your finances? Is it your health? Are you worried about death? God's people have faced all these and we can face our fears in faith by turning to the face of God. Remember the old proverb, fear knocked on the door, faith answered and there was no one there. Amen. Let's just bow our heads in prayer before we sing our last song.